Welcome to the Silver Screen Guide Podcast. Join Corbin and Alan, along with guest hosts, as they bring their love for the cinema to discuss films from every genre and decade. Learn about the history of the film, little-known facts, and insightful explorations while they enjoy discussing your favorite film. The curtain is rising and your podcast is starting. So sit back, relax, and enjoy your guide to the silver screen. Welcome back, listeners, to the fourth installment in our Rocky movie review series. Today we are reviewing Rocky Four. This is your co-host, Corbin. And I'm Alan. Well, it should be no surprise that after Rocky Three, which was much more successful financially than Rocky Two, that we were gonna get a Rocky Four, And kind of as we mentioned last time, um, Stallone was kicking off another franchise. He was kicking off the first Blood franchise. And that came out the, well, that came out the same year as Rocky Three. Well, surprise, First Blood Part Two came out the same year as Rocky Four. But I will say that it's interesting because we noted that First Blood was much more well-received than Rocky III was, but it does seem to be that uh, First Blood Part II and Rocky IV kind of turns out to be more of a tie, I would say. First Blood Part II has a 6.5 IMDb rating with a 47 meta score. Mm -hmm. And um, Alan will talk about the scores here in just a minute. And for those of you keeping track, Sylvester Stallone is 39 years old when Rocky IV comes out. So he's about a decade older than from the first movie. Well, Alan, was this film very well received by critics or audiences? So I guess the scores are a little bit split. Uh, we have an oh. IMDb score of a 6.9, meta score to 40, Rotten Tomatoes at a 40% critic score, 79% audience score, no cinema score, but a letterbox score of a 3.3. So it's pretty split, but audiences seem to like it a lot more than critics do. Critics don't look to be too happy about it. That is pretty surprising, actually, that it is so split. Um, 79% so far is the second highest um, critic score, or, or excuse me, audience score that we've gotten. Um, the only high other one was um, Rocky II, so audiences really liked this one. Um, 40% yeah. is very bad, I would say, critically. That's a sh sharp drop from the 63% last time. And it's kind of funny because 3.3 mm -hmm. is the exact same score Rocky 3 had. So I guess Letterbox people kind of averaged it out there. I thought it was exactly on par together. But what's even more noteworthy is that the budget is much higher than previous films. Right. So last time we weren't able to find the budget, right? The budget is nowhere to be found. But we can guess that it's somewhere between $28 million and $7 million. This time around, there's a, there is a pretty significant uh, jump uh in budget this time we have a budget of 28 million dollars opening weekend 20 million around 20 million domestically 127.9 million foreign markets at 172.5 million worldwide 300.4 million so it does did very well yes that's extremely impressive actually because um of the entire franchise including the creed films this is the highest uh, this is the largest worldwide gross in the entire series. Right. And just to add on to that, too, you know, this is also number one in the box office for six weeks straight. Holy cow. So given that it was number one for six weeks, it made this much money, this being the highest worldwide gross. Um, and, of, and of course, 
just in general, what was happening in the world at this time, that being the Cold War, it's no surprise that a film like this did as well as it ended up doing. And it also kind of became like a symbol of the 80s in the process. Yeah, and if you are curious on our thoughts from other movies in 1985, which was a huge year in cinema, then we do have a lot of those reviews. Our 1985 movie reviews will be linked in the description below for you to go and check out. Um, one other thing I forgot to mention was this is also uh, the lowest meta score for the entire series. We won't see it go lower than this. And um, it's also the shortest film in the entire franchise at a really slim 91 minutes. Right, which we'll talk about later. <laughs> um, also, listeners, just take a moment here to give us five stars over on iTunes if you're listening there or any other podcast platform. We are on all major podcast platforms. Check the link in the description below. That doesn't just connect you with a curated list of other movie, movie reviews to listen to after this one, but it also connects you with all of our podcast pages, all of our social pages. It also connects you with Patreon, so you can get bonus content and support us there. But a fantastic free way to support us is no matter where you're at, just give us five stars or even give us a little review because that helps us get noticed in the rankings. And one of our goals for 2021 is to become verified critics on Rotten Tomatoes. And the best way to do that is to get those five-star ratings over on iTunes, on Apple Podcasts. So that would be a huge help listeners just to help us out. So Corbin, it's 1985. You've seen all the Rocky films up until this point, And maybe you're a patriot, maybe you're not, but you <laughs> see that Rocky Four is coming out and neither you see the trailer. What do you think? Do you go see it? Do you not? What do you think? Well, as I mentioned, go back and listen to our podcast for Rocky Three. That film left me with a little bit of a bad taste in my mouth, so I'm going to go into this one skeptical. Yeah, the trailer comes up on TV, maybe it comes up in cinema. Honestly, in 1885, if I was able to back then, I would be at the theater all the time. Um, so many golden age type movies coming out. You know, honestly, this Rocky movie looks like a Rambo movie to me. It's got the same kind of Rambo narrator voice. In some ways, it kind of looks awesome but it also gives a crazy amount away. It's super spoilery. Um, and you know, with so much amazing films coming out then, and this coming out at the tail end of November, right before that Christmas rush, you know, honestly, I'm just not that interested. So I would probably wait to go to my local video store, which was very much becoming a thing at that point. So I, it would have been much easier for me to get my hands on it then. So yeah, I'm waiting for, um, waiting for the VHS. Yeah, I'm probably going to be in the same place as you. Um, this is, I, I mentioned last podcast that, you know, after Rocky 3, I didn't really know where else Rocky could go and that it also kind of stressed me out. But yeah, after seeing this trailer, um, I don't know, especially since I wasn't already a big, very big fan of it. You're right. The, these trailers do kind of give a lot away, um, a bit too much away. Um, so I, I'm probably going to say no, uh, for me, at least I'm probably going to either skip it. Not really. I'm not really looking forward to seeing it in the theater. So I'll probably skip it there and maybe catch it on, you know, VHS and rent it if I end up doing that at all. Yeah. And you know, honestly, TV was really big back then. So I'd probably wait for Saturday night on one of the local channels. I'm sure they would show it. Oh, I'm sure you hadn't seen any parts of this movie before, right? Yeah, pretty much nothing. Um, the only part that I probably, the only part that I remember is just Drago's first line, the line where he says, I must break you. That's like the only thing that I've seen. And I, honestly, I didn't even know that it was from this one until I watched it for this review. Yeah. And you know, I feel like I've probably seen this movie before. I don't know if I've seen it all the way through. 
Either ways, it was very vague for me. Nothing, uh, there's only one thing that I kind of remembered, but I wasn't sure, but we'll talk about it here pretty soon. So it's pretty new to the both of us. Well, Alan is about to spoil it. Yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> so if you haven't seen the movie, definitely go ahead. And if you don't want to spoil for it, um, oh, the other thing I should I should bring up really quickly is I know if you're listening to this right now, um, you may very well be getting your hands on the Rocky Four director's cut. Yep, that's right. Uh, Sylvester Stallone's releasing a director's cut for its 35th anniversary. So 35th anniversary, Sylvester Stallone surprises everybody this year, 2020, and says, hey, I'm working on a director's cut of Rocky Four. And everybody is like, what? So... You may very well be getting your hands on the director's cut by the time you listen to this. Unfortunately, we are reviewing this in advance. Sly Stone, for whatever reason, didn't give us an advanced screener for the director's cut, unfortunately. So we are going, once we do get our hands on the director's cut shortly after it comes out, we will record kind of a little bonus uh, review of that, just telling you our thoughts on the differences in the movie, does it do anything better or worse? And ultimately, which cut we would recommend? Because I'm pretty, I'm actually pretty eager to see a director's cut of this film. I don't know why it wasn't a director's cut because you'll notice Sylvester Stallone is the director and writer. Pretty sure he's got carte blanche on these movies by now. So apparently the theatrical cut wasn't the director's cut for him. Long story short, that's coming. Um, we're not going to be talking about any of that in this review though. But like I said, spoilers up ahead. Go ahead and click pause right now if you haven't seen it. Come back and click play and we'll be ready to talk about it. All right. So this is going to be a rare, pretty short plot summary. Um, yeah, I figured. Yeah. So, all right. Not long after Rocky beat Clubber Lang to regain the title, a new fighter arrives to get a piece of Rocky. Russian Ivan Drago, hailing from the Soviet Union, has come to the United States. Apollo Creed decides to come out of retirement to take on Drago, but he is no match for the Russian tank. And with one punch, Drago downs Apollo, killing him in the ring. Rocky decides to take on Drago himself, but the Russian's team announced that their match will be held in their home turf as they fear for their lives. Rocky has the Russian to train, using only the things around him to build muscle. Meanwhile, Drago is using state-of-the-art technology to help him train. It's the day of the fight, and the two men trade blows back and forth for 15 rounds. But eventually, Rocky knocks Drago down while also turning the crowd to his side. Rocky is crowned the victor, and in an ending speech, he tells the crowd that he didn't used to believe that he could change, but now he does. If I can change, you can change, he says, as credits roll. Um, yeah, if you thought part three was pretty sparse and short, uh, yeah, just wait for part four. So let's talk about this opening. We got to talk about the opening. Yeah, uh, no Rocky crawl this time. It's just two gloves, yeah. one with an American symbol on it, one with uh, a Soviet emblem on it, and they both uh, hit, and then the Soviet one explodes. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, I was kind of getting used to the Rocky crawl, like Star Wars. Um, I was honestly kind of disappointed it wasn't there. It's kind of become a staple. We do get a title still, Rocky Four, but it's over the flashback before Apollo and Rocky fight, and it's just like it says Rocky Four, which I, I thought was kind of strange. But in a way, I'm kind of glad we don't get two titles because in the first three movies you get the Rocky Crawl, and then a little bit after that you get Rocky Three, as if you didn't, as if you just couldn't see the giant crawl and knew what movie you're in. Right. Exactly. Yeah. A uh, Soviet glove an american glove turning and punching and blowing up i'm like oh gosh 
I know what I'm in for. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it kind of tells you exactly what exactly what you're in for. I mean, this is also like you know the middle of the '80s as well, and Sulfur Stone's only going up in popularity. So at the same time, it's somewhat like a product of his time, kind of just through and through. And it just tells you right off the bat, this is an international grudge match. This is the world's superpowers once and for all duking it out in the literally duking it out in the ring. Uh, let's, but I want right. to do talk about the editing here of the opening because, of course, it wouldn't be a Rocky film without the recap from the previous one, which, surprise, has nothing to do with this movie. And then it jumps right. into Rocky getting home in his Lamborghini, and he talks about getting a black eye. His son has a camcorder, which uh, it, it looks awful, honestly. I'm I'm already telling we're in hokey territory. It's Polly's birthday. But I don't know if you noticed, Alan, but the timelines with these movies just don't add up. Yeah, it's been, uh, well, they, they mentioned in the film, they've been married for nine years. So it's, uh, it's at least been nine years, I, I guess a decade, actually. Yeah, it's been about a decade since this whole franchise is really about, since I guess a decade that this franchise is covering. Yeah, it is rather strange. I don't. So how old is this little boy supposed to be? Nine? Uh, I guess. Maybe, yeah. Well, okay, here's where it gets confusing. They they screwed it up because between two and three, only three years had gone by. I was guessing about six. Nope, only three years. So now we can say it's been at least six years since part three. But he comes home from fighting, but... We assume he's probably was just got it probably just picked up where he was fighting Apollo. Unless that unless that scene is detached from part three and takes place six years in the future. But that wouldn't make any sense because he said, once I train you, I want you to do me a favor. I, I know it's kind of dumb to get this involved with it, but look it up online. It's a big point of contention with fans. When does when does these movies actually take place? It's very confusing. Yeah, I wonder if maybe they gave it a few more years um, so that way the kid in this film, the son, would actually <laughs> bring in that younger crowd. Maybe that was what they were going for. I, I don't know, though. It, it really does. But I will say my first compliment with this movie is, as you were saying, Alan, okay, where does Rocky go from here? He defended the title. He won the title in two. He defended the title in three. Where could he go from here? Well, he's the best boxer in America, but there may be a better boxer in the world. So I guess that is a logical follow through is he's got to fight internationally now. That makes sense to me. Yeah, I, I do agree to some extent, I guess. Uh, part two, I feel like, you know, it was just like a fighter that came out of nowhere that all of a sudden, you know, got the title. So at least with this one, you know, it's somebody who is from a nation that's very, very powerful. Also a nation that's also, you know, or the topical for the time. But it, it does kind of, you know, you know, it feels a bit more of a formidable foe for Rocky to have to go up against now because, you know, Soviet Russia being a very powerful nation, also sending their best fighter, you know, there is that essentially is that embodiment is there so i don't i guess i do agree um this feels a little bit more like if it were if this were number if this were taking the place of rocky three maybe it would sit better in my mind but I, I do agree to a certain extent that you know having having this fighter here for this reason fits better than it did in three i feel and i like that the soviets have always set themselves up in history mm -hmm. as the anti-united states 
they're able to do everything we do, but better. At least that's the facade they put on. They did it through communism instead of capitalism. And so they do have this kind of giant hulking figure, which made me kind of think of Nietzsche's Ubermensch or the Overman. He is just this product of communism and he's just incredible and he'll defeat anybody through the power of their technology. And we saw the Germans did this in World War II. Germans were incredibly smart with their scientists and technology until they all defected and helped us create a nuclear bomb. Right. <laughs> but it, it's kind of that classic rivalry that everybody would know about. I mean, the Soviets did put a man in space before us. And there was all kinds of controversy with the Olympics, with um, steroids and boycotting the 1980 Olympics and whatnot. So this was what this would all be very fresh in people's minds. And it, I mean, honestly, you're sitting in America, it's 85. You, you want to see the Soviets get knocked around a little bit. It, it makes sense. So like I said, all of that, I think at least here within the first part, they're crafting something that is interesting. It's topical. I'm curious to see where they're going to go with it. You know, the other thing that I do like about this movie in some ways, I'm kind of a sucker for an 80s movie. Me and my wife just love movies from that time. They're they're kind of their own thing. They're cheesy, but they're very kind of endearing and delightful in their own way. I like that this movie really embraces the 80s. It's kind of its own thing. I'm not I'm not saying that it does it well per se or what it incorporates is good but at least it kind of embraces itself as a product of its time without even realizing it almost you can say that um this rocky four and rocky one are about 10 years apart you can tell these films look oh, yeah. and feel totally different oh absolutely yeah and i i was even considering um and i say this till the end of the retrospective but i am considering about going back and watching that first film just to kind of get an idea as to how far or how much this the rocky series has changed from when it first started to now um this one this one's very different from what we've seen before uh as we even noted it didn't begin you know with that opening crawl and the main theme i'm gonna fly now so it's, yeah it is different but again i am just i'm curious to see you know what change is going to be there going back to that first film but again i'm going to save that for later i might not i might be speaking blasphemy here considering a lot of these actors are Acad academy award nominated for their performances at least in the first film i'm gonna go i'm gonna go ahead and say it probably outside of apollo creed who carl weathers is such a welcome presence back to this series he just steps back into the role he's such a delight to watch i'm gonna say um rocky's rocky and uh adrian's kid Probably one of the best actors in this movie. Um, Burt Young as Polly is pretty fun as well, but I will say for a child actor, he does a pretty good job. That's it. That's all my positives. <laughs> uh, actually, I think I have. I do have one more positive. Um, so when they do go to Russia, they aren't actually going to Russia. They actually are going to Montana. But the the sets, I think they're they do look very pretty. Um, it's kind of nice seeing some landscape instead of you know buildings and. Um, interiors. So at least at that point, you know, the film is, you know, a, at least a little bit uh, engaging, a bit more different. It's got different visuals, which makes it a bit more engaging. Yeah, I mean, they look, I agree, they look good. They, um, that's probably of everything that's photographed in this film. Those are probably the best shots. Um, probably the worst shots is the whole Apollo Creed living in America sequence before the fight or the 
cameras are spinning around and oh gosh feels like a 80s music video yeah and especially when they get to russia too right even though it is the prettiest part of the movie and the best looking um part of the movie it, it kind of just also just dives deep into mostly just montage uh montage city at that point and even then you know this movie also it's shot very differently as we've already kind of talked about um and when it comes to his final fight, I feel like, you know, at least with the last three movies, Ace filmmaking wise, those final fights have always been just kind of getting better with each iteration. I don't really feel the same here. This one shot again, very differently. And it, I don't think it really, I don't, I don't think it really holds much to those other ones in my mind. And I find that to be something very disappointing that instead of the series, instead of like the series, like cast and crew, Rocky, and the cinematographer, instead of Rocky, excuse me, Sylvester Stallone wanting to stick to kind of the original look and feel and carry that through the series, he seems more interested in making this movie look like a product of the times. It comes across more like you can look at commercials through the decades and see the differences in them. But instead of retaining, you know, and I'll say that, um, Probably the only movies that have been made really far apart, but kind of retain a visual style and feel, maybe the Star Wars movies, they are still their own products of the times, but you can tell with each iteration, they're trying to carry a linear thread of maybe a visual style or look of the film, even though clearly the movies have gone digital now and they don't use film anymore. This movie, it's more of trying to look like what would a 80s kind of pop commercial MTV type thing look like? Yeah, and, and you're right. And they do also hearken on like, you know, modern technology, especially, I guess, modern technology by the 80s standards. Um, of course, with the Drago, he is using like state of the art technology to like measure and show that according to this computer, he is, you know, stronger or is gaining muscle and whatever. Um, then, then, of course, you've also got the robot that, that the Balboas have at their house. So they're definitely hearkening on some like some like modern technology for the time as well. And in, in this movie, it seems to be like one of the main one of the one of the main ideas here is that, you know, modern technology is becoming more commonplace as well. Now, for, you know, as to the aspect of how much it plays into the film, I don't really understand why the robot is here. It's kind of a silly addition, but, you know. Let's just say it. It's completely hokey, and I don't like it. I feel like the Rocky movies started out so serious, and now it's just become very jokey very silly i don't like the robot at all it's dumb yeah no, i i agree with you uh, i mean there is that like that, that dichotomy between rocky and uh and drago where drago is using like you know state-of-the-art technology uh, which which apparently is to, I, I don't know how true this is or to what extent uh, this is true but the the technology that they use for drago is real right again to what extent i don't know um and the same with the robot apparently this is this this is like some technology that did exist in the 80s um and in fact the robot the company that made the robot is still working now which is why we don't see too much of it here in this movie it's because they had to pay royalties so they didn't put as much in when the final cut was released um which we'll see more of that in the director's cut but either way uh yeah there is that dichotomy between you know drago is using the most state-of-the-art technology and rocky is not right rocky's kind of almost like he's regressing he's going back to just whatever he can get his hands on to build muscle you know that of like almost like the earth he's going to be using that so there is that dichotomy there you know where even though this you know this comp this uh even though this 
big nation is essentially using the most state-of-the-art things, the most state-of-the-art technology, they're still going to lose when it comes to, to that final scene. They still end up losing the, at, the end of the, at the end of the day. So there's that. Yeah, I mean, you're right. There is that dichotomy of the Soviets use technology to get better, to improve, to be stronger. We use technology to be lazy and just for pleasure purposes, really, instead of that. So I get what he's trying to set up there. Um, it's, I don't know, it's not very well done at all. It's really dumb and heavy handed, honestly, with so many montages of Drago using what looks to be extremely outdated equipment now uh let's just say it the movie hasn't aged well like i said it's just a kind of a time capsule of the decade yeah i think one of the things too is that you run the risk of when you when you make a movie about a current event you do run the risk of you know you're the age of the film also not translating very well into the future right um, not all the time but it I think that this is kind of what's happening here with this one because, you know, it, it's again, it's capturing that current event, but it's not doing much to, it's not doing much outside of that, right? That's the only thing that it's, it's focused on. That's the only thing that it's focused on is that current event. So unfortunately, it just doesn't translate. It doesn't, it doesn't translate very well into this modern age, uh, maybe because of, you know, how much it's, how focused it is on what's happening there and now, instead of focusing on maybe what would happen in the future. And the thing that seems strange to me is the first Rocky, the first two Rocky films were very much going for realism. This one just feels very cartoonish, like everything is blown up. Like, yeah, those were, you know, relations between world powers. But the way it's presented is so cartoony and over the top. And Drago's a Terminator. He can't talk. And his wife, who knows what point she serves in the film, and his handler is always yelling at everybody. It's just, just really crazy. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's also kind of a, it's a, it's a weird excuse to get Rocky to Russia too, right? Because the excuse that they give, uh, that the Russians give because they want to move back to their home turf is because they feel like there are threats against their life, right? And so that kind of becomes the catalyst to get uh, Rocky to go to to Russia to fight there. I kind of I think I kind of see where uh, Stallone is going for. He's going for some some irony here, where you know now that the Russian has come to America and so and beat the and beat America on their own on their own soil, and then an American goes to Russia and does the exact same thing, right? There's that dichot there's that um there's that irony there. I think that's what he's going for. But it also just makes the the Russians come off as like they're like just being weak for you know for feeling scared for coming to for being in America and having threats against their life. That it's just a weak reason to get Rocky to go to Russia. Yeah, I mean that's just weak writing is how can I get, you know, the poster boy for America to go over there and defeat him on their own turf. I can invade, he can invade the Soviet Union so well, like they invite him over there and he beats him at their own game. Um, yeah, the writing in this is incredibly weak and it's incredibly manipulative as if Rocky three wasn't trying to manipulate us enough with killing off Mickey. Well, the formula continues. Apollo Creed dies in the ring 
And I am not a happy camper. <laughs> yeah. And this is also something that I saw coming from like, you know, a mile away. You know, once he like, once he and Rocky are hanging out that it's pretty early in the film. And then he sends up and says, I'm going to go. I'm going to go. I'm going to fight Drago and I'm going to win. I'm just going to beat. I'm going to beat this guy before you can get to him, essentially. I was like, no, you're not. You're going to go right. in that ring and you're going to get smashed. Like, there's no way. And so I wasn't necessarily very surprised when he goes <laughs> in and ends up coming, not coming out alive. Well, especially because we're like 25 minutes into the movie. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're right. And that's exactly what they did with part three. He fights Clubber Lang about 30 minutes in. At the end of act one, he loses. And the thing that honestly frustrates me the most with this is I feel like it's just doing a disservice to Apollo's character. Apollo's character comes across like he hasn't really learned anything because he's dressed up like Uncle Sam again and he's treating it like a joke and who knows how long it's been since he's boxed and Rocky's like, Maybe we shouldn't do this. We don't know anything about him. It's like, are you kidding me? You're just going to fight this guy you don't know anything about? And I mean, that's kind of the whole point is that Apollo didn't took Rocky for granted and basically lost to him. So in part two, he has to really step up his game to learn Rocky's moves. And that's when um, that's that's more where, as uh, Mickey would say, it's what the Bible calls a psychological edge. Right. <laughs> Rocky learns to not fight like a southpaw. So there's just so much more thought gone into those first two movies. And I know people hate part two. Uh, well, what do you think about part four then? So that's honestly the most frustrating point is um, I feel like once again, it's emotional manipulation to get Rocky to be the one to fight him. So let's just go ahead and kill off Apollo. We killed off Mickey. It makes me wonder who's going to die in Rocky five. Uh, it's just not pleasant. And the one other thing I'll say about this is um, when did you did you feel like it was um, when Rocky is holding Apollo's dead body? It looked just like that painting of Mary holding Jesus off the cross. Yeah, I guess you're right. I didn't really notice that until you brought it up just now. Yeah, and I, I guess I can kind of see, I, I think this is where uh, Stallone was going, but again, that he's going for some irony maybe here, where, you know, uh, Apollo Creed is, you know, he's always been that outwardly American visual, right? From the beginning, from the, even the first film, um, he was always like that symbol, like that very American symbol. So it's kind of, uh, it kind of, it's kind of, again, ironic that, and, you know, he being all flesh, you know, show would come out and then all of a sudden lose to a Russian, lose to a Soviet um, in the ring and wouldn't actually end up dying in the ring as well. Um, just kind of showing that, you know, it's not necessarily a show necessarily, you know, but this also kind of dives into, um, I guess, some of the issues that come when it that for me, at least that come when it when it comes to the fact of like wasted time because I feel like this movie just barely screeches past that hour and a half mark. Um, and we get some long drawn out sequences like this, like the scene that introduces this fight, it goes on for so long. It's just like this musical number that goes on for ages and it plays out the whole song. It's way longer than it ever really should be. Another example also is just these montages. I feel like there are way too many in this movie. And now, of course, Rocky is no stranger to montages. But either way, there are, I think, three or four in this one. And honestly, that montage where he gets in his Lamborghini and he just goes driving, barely pays attention to the road. I thought he's going to crash. We get a recap of all three movies. So I'm, I'm guessing we're supposed to assume 
he's thinking back on the events of the last three films. I guess I saw it as, you know, more of this is what his career has kind of built up to, right? This is like the yeah. height of his career, uh, more or less. So it's him thinking back on, yeah, thinking back on those, on the previous films as I guess maybe to, cons maybe to bring in like a recap, but mostly be to show that, you know, this is his view of like the height of his career. This is what his career is like built up to. Yeah, you're right. And I guess if you haven't seen the other three or whatnot, you get it all here. Um, I hate that, though. Um, the Karate Kid kind of does something with this, too, if I'm not mistaken. Um, go listen to our reviews of all the Karate Kid films. You'll see what I'm talking about. But yeah, and then the other montage I just don't give a care about is when Drago is training and Rocky is training guerrilla style or whatever you want to call it, bare bones. I'm just not excited. I'm just not excited at all. Yeah, and I would also argue that, uh, you know, every other character except for Rocky um, is essentially a non-character almost. Rocky is very much a, the central driving force for this film, and that's not necessarily anything new, but it's it feels like all the side characters have taken a complete, such a back seat that, you know, you don't really get much uh, when it comes to building that like thematic depth when it comes to the story. Because at the same time, too, the main message of the story is that, you know, change is a good thing and you can change whether you think it you can or not. And change is going to be better. Change might be better for you than you might think that it will be. Right. And that's really all that has to say is that that message of change is the only thing that really has to say. And I think that really bogs it down because that's, again, the only thing it has to say, whereas, you know, at least the last few films they've had a little bit more to their message, like not necessarily so bare bones. This one is so bare bones that I feel like, you know, it makes it hard to, you know, relate to it, you know, on a deeper level or makes it hard to, you know, dive deeper into some of these aspects because it's really solely focused on this one thing. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, all these characters are utterly worthless. They don't do anything to further the plot. Um, Apollo's trainer had a little bit of an interesting piece where he's like, I raised Apollo. He was like a son to me. We never knew that. And now he's like, now I'm here to train you. Mm -hmm. Well, we already trained with him in Rocky three. What more could he do? And all of this training is just lift rocks, run in the snow, run up a mountain, drag people around. I don't know. Uh, that's the thing. It is frustrating. And we also kind of get a rehash of Rocky two where Adrian is legitimately scared after Apollo dies. She's legitimately scared for Rocky's life. And I like that. I think that's probably one of the best scenes in the movie where she's standing on the stairs and they're kind of mm -hmm. like draped in shadow. And he's like, I'm a fighter, Adrian. It's what I it's what I do. And especially, you know, if my friend died fighting him, then, you know, maybe I'll die fighting him, too. But it's it's more about the principle. And that's what I have to do. It's clearly a callback to Rocky, too, where she's standing on the stairs. And Rocky goes off with Mickey instead. So I thought that was a good scene. But that's honestly my biggest issue with the movies is what you're bringing up there is our hero doesn't have any kind of substantive journey. Rocky doesn't go through any arc in this movie. He's kind of relegated to the background for the first act because he's just, I guess he's retired. Apollo comes out of retirement and dies. And now his sole focus is just to be Drago to honor Apollo's memory to avenge him. We kind of are crossing over into Rambo territory here with this whole vengeance plot. And the other uh, main point of the movie is America, American engine power will always beat the Soviets. I, I mean, that's basically it. Yeah. And I mean, I, I would argue that maybe Rocky has a little bit of change here. I mean, it's kind of fabricated out of nowhere. 
you know, where this all comes from. Um, he feels as if he can't change and he kind of gets that into his head from you know, Apollo talking to him. Um, and then he comes to learn by the end of the film that he can change and that change is a good thing. And he tries to tease it to the Soviets. But there is, a, again, a problem here where, you know, all the side characters, you know, because maybe this is due to the fact that there is just so little substance here um, with this message that the side characters are pretty much delegated to the complete background. Um, Adrian gets something to do. Um, Apollo Creed is probably the most developed of all these characters, but he dies within 30 minutes. Um, we kind of get something with his trainer, Apollo's trainer, that is, but not really until like the ending, the ending, the ending fight. Um, and then of course, Paulie again, same with Adrian, really has nothing to do here. And because of that, and because of the, you know, the journey that I feel is kind of fabricated um, instead of substantive, um, and how weak it already is, uh, you know, Rocky does not go kind of Rocky does not go through any significant change. You're right. Um, he really does hit. The issue that they bring up at the beginning feels as if it was just made up for this film um, and that they ran with it just to serve the message that they wanted to tell us at, with that ending speech. Yeah. And as I mentioned earlier, the emotional, you know, change, if you want to call it the emotional sequence this character undergoes was all manipulated and set up because the big bad Russian kills his friend. So now, I mean, Rocky learns nothing. And it would make more sense if, I mean, and this not, it's not even about really the boxing anymore because it, I mean, the other, the things that I really appreciated about the last three movies, even part three was Rocky had to learn different moves. He had to learn something different in order to be clubber. Apollo uh, had to learn different moves. He had to learn how to fight a Southpaw. With Drago, Drago just punches really, really hard because he's taking steroids. And so Rocky just trains and lifts heavier and heavier objects or runs up mountains or something. He doesn't learn anything. His training has no purpose, except he's already in good shape. He's just got to get in better shape. And it's just a battle of the wills at this point, I guess, or it's science versus biology, if you want to go down that route. Um, it's just utterly disappointing that for me, Rocky doesn't have a purpose in this film and he ultimately lands and ends up nowhere. I'm going to call, call it out and say it. This is straight up a propaganda movie, all based in purpose to show how great America is against the Soviet Union. And I mean, it's incredibly lazy. Very disappointing. Yeah, I, I think you're the nail on the head that this is definitely a propaganda kind of film, unfortunately. Um this whole film does build, like I mentioned a second ago, this this whole film does build up to that final speech and really only has final speech. And I mentioned last week that I didn't really know Rocky was going to go and how that kind of shuts me out. And this is kind of come full circle, I guess. Um, I guess you could say. <laughs> yeah. This is a film where if if it never really existed, what would it have done for the character of Rocky, right? Essentially nothing, because there's nothing in this film that actually ever really changes him significantly. Now, while it is culturally significant because of when it came out and it's preaching Americanism, which is not necessarily bad. I mean, even Rambo did this at the same time. The problem is just that you're not telling a story that's substantive, right? You have to have some kind of emotional weight to it to tell a good story. And while it is preaching something that may not necessarily be a bad thing, the story is underserved because it wants to preach this propaganda instead of telling a good story. And there's no balance between those two. And I think that's the biggest issue that I have with this film. While until trying to tell a story, it tries to go straight for propaganda, unfortunately, and it bypasses everything that made Rocky good in the first place. 
Yeah, and that's where the film, uh, you're exactly right, that's where the film utterly fails for me, is that this movie really isn't about a story. Sylvester Stallone basically sits down and writes, okay, I want to tell the message of, okay, what if Rocky overthrows the Soviet Union? And even better than that, he gets the Soviet Union on his side. It's a David versus Goliath thing. And it, and it's, that's the message. That's what he wants to say. So he's like, okay, um, how can I get there? Um, yeah, uh, the Russian kills Apollo. So then people hate the Russian for it. So we got to go fight in the Soviet Union and I win. It's not even about trying to tell a story. It's about trying to impart a message to the viewers that how great America is and um, this little nobody from wherever he's from, from Brooklyn or New Jersey or something, this little nobody can rise up to even overthrow the world's scariest superpower. Um, that And that's why it's essentially straight up propaganda. And I mean, like I said, there couldn't be good propaganda, but, um, and you know, they're preaching a good message here of, you know, American ingenuity, hard work will overcome, you know, kind of the cold metallic um, single-mindedness of the Soviets. I, okay, I get it. But um, it's just utterly ridiculous. And let's just go ahead and talk about the ending. It's a fantasy. It's utterly ridiculous. Oh, yeah. No, it's absolutely ridiculous having the whole stadium turn onto your side, which I don't really know how that works, um, especially when you come from, like, you know, the the rival nation um, having the entire stadium, even those who are in power turn and, like, essentially, you know, are on now on your side against one of their own blood. I don't really know how that works or, you know, how that makes sense. It doesn't make sense is the thing. Um, I don't understand how this ending came to be like this. No, and you know, like we said, um, Drago is taking steroids. Mm -hmm. They never even test him. They just ask in a press conference, does he take performance enhancing drugs? And they're like, oh, no, of course not. Right. Right. Good enough for us. <laughs> I guess there's no there's no standards in these sports where they have to undergo blood tests or anything like that. Um, it's utterly ridiculous. And I don't even know how Rocky wins. I mean, honestly, Rocky looks like a chump throughout this fight. He's getting his butt whooped all over the place. Once again, he can't hold up. He can't defend his face ever. Um, and then finally he lands a blow and it's just through sheer power of will. He's able to beat him down and nothing satisfying happens with this fight whatsoever. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I mentioned this a second ago, um, that, you know, I, this one feels very different with its final fight, you know, because in the last, in the last few movies, they always feel like, you know, you're a part of the action. You're a cameraman who's right outside the ring taking, you know, getting this right. This one is very different. They don't really go down that same route. At least they, or at least that's not how it ends up coming off. Um, unfortunately the, yeah, this final fight, I found it, that's how I didn't really find it very engaging. That's you know, the last few movies, they always made it engaging because of how they film it. And it's not the same here. I mean, you know, critics and audiences both really liked this movie though. Some of them did, uh, a lot of them didn't though, but I saw, briefly saw Siskel's review from Siskel and Ebert. He gave, um, I think he gave the movie like a three stars out of four and, um, he said it was really exciting. It was really well done. And, you know, sure, it's kind of cheesy, but, you know, he had a blast while going along with it. And that's what I was wondering. Is this movie just going to be like really dumb fun? And ultimately it doesn't. It loses all of its goodwill with me. And you're, you're right. I just couldn't even believe the fantasy of the Soviet crowd cheering for Rocky against Drago. And what world would that happen? 
And, and then the Soviet premier or whatever they call him over there is clapping for Rocky's speech about change. And let's just say a worst speech ever. I texted you. I fell asleep three times while watching it because it's so boring. And I had to rewind where he's like, just talking in circles. If I can change, you can change. And if we can change, everybody can change. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, writing, writing 101 is show, not tell. Mm -hmm. And they ultimately have to revert to telling their message of, Hey, Soviets, you know, you can go ahead and change. You can come to the side of freedom. It's okay. Oh, I couldn't believe it. Yeah, no, I, I agree that this, and also, you know, the, for a movie that has, you know, so little um, substance to it already, um, where it's, it's main, I, it's main message is all that it's writing on. And it's already, and even that is already weak. Um, this also just kind of, I guess, goes to show just, you know, how unsettled it already is because they already, they've already kind of beaten this message in more than one time. Um, you know, that of one can change and that change is good. And finally, we just have Rocky to spill out the beans, um, to spill everything out here at the very end, just give the, just give the message of the film without really any subtlety at all. And at the same time too, you know, uh, what makes it just the silliness, you know, even more so is that even like we mentioned, you know, the higher ups even seem to agree with this speech, um, which even if I, I mean, if I feel like, you know, Rocky giving that speech in, in Russia and it being translated and then, you know, those higher ups figuring out what he was saying or whatever, um, you know, that there would be some kind of legal action against it. I mean, that's what I would think. These are iron fisted regimes. You don't have free speech there. You can't do this. I understand he's an international figure, but nevertheless, I, I mean, I must be missing it. Where does this come from? Who changes? I mean, just because the crowd changes, Rocky's character doesn't change. That's the whole point of him and Adrian's fight on the stairs. And she's like, why can't you just let this go? And he's like, because I'm a fighter. It's just who I am. Okay, well, okay, fine. You you have a static character there. You're not going to change. And Drago doesn't change. Drago doesn't turn against, I don't even know how that would work, but he doesn't turn against um, the Soviets. Uh, and ultimately, it would be pretty satisfying not to see the killer of Apollo Creed defeated. Uh, he also cheats, by the way. He keeps punching when the bell goes on. And um, I like how Rocky kind of, there, I like that moment though, yep. I will say that was fun. When Rocky keeps punching him and then he picks him up and like pun uh, punches him and then Rocky like picks him up by the legs and they basically start just MMX fighting it out. Um, we could just really feel the oh, anger yeah. there yeah. in that. So I like that. Um, but I got to say it's pretty dumb that, um, it's pretty dumb that Apollo died in the first place though, because Apollo said, don't stop the fight. Rocky should have thrown in the towel and Apollo's trainer is like, throw in the towel, throw in the towel, it won't do it. And so he dies. And it's just, it's so dumb. But anyways, long story short, Rocky, the character has definitely worn out his welcome with me. I'm really done. I don't see how this character is going to be redeemed for me in any of the upcoming sequels. But Corbin, are, aren't you excited to see what's going to happen in Rocky Five? I and mean, we have one more to go until like this, right? at least this first iteration of Rocky is finished. Like, aren't you excited to see what's going to happen in Rocky Five? Well, I will say I've seen Rocky Five a year or two ago. So it's a honestly, I don't remember much. It's kind of fresh in my mind. But you know what? No, 
I'm not because I don't think it's going to go anywhere good. Yeah, at this point now, now that I've seen, you know, you know where Rocky has gone, I mean, at this point, I'm just curious to see what else I can pull out of him for Rocky Five, right? I, I they, it's not really a good thing to say that, um, to say that, you know, this is kind of where my thoughts have ended now, but that's that's where we're at. I'm not a good thing. Well, Alan, what is your rating and recommendation for Rocky Four? Well, I guess I don't really know what I was expecting. Um, this is a film where, you know, after a certain point, I knew exactly where it was going to go. Um, and that point was actually pretty surprisingly pretty early on. And that's when they introduced the robot. Once the robot came out and I kind of saw how goofy it was starting to it was starting to be, I was kind of I kind of started to predict exactly where this film was going to go, um, in which only, you know, I guess just so solidified, you know, how how predictable it ended up being for me and how uneventful and how unsurprising it was when, um, when Apollo died in the ring. So yeah, it's not very surprising. Um, there aren't, I mean, there aren't too many surprises in Rocky five. There really aren't Rocky five, uh, Rocky. I mean, Rocky four, I keep getting confused with these numbers. Rocky, Rocky four is not a film that I can recommend. It's not one that, you know, of course the American's going to win in the end of the day, right? It's, I imagine the outrage if he didn't win. Right. So at the end of the day, no, I can't really recommend it. There isn't one that I feel is very fulfilling for your, for the character of Rocky. A, a nice period piece to see you know, kind of white, like what the American thought was at the time, maybe through a film. But other than that, it's not really worth it. So three out of 10, not recommend. Rocky four is a straight up propaganda film. It's more about how much better the U.S. is over the USSR than an actual story about boxing. For the first act, I was enjoying its delightfully cheesy 80s-ness and thinking, you know, this is actually better than part three. But then I realized there's absolutely no point to this film. Stallone must be getting his Rocky and Rambo series crossed because this is sort of a revenge story. And I hate how Apollo is killed off just to emotionally manipulate us further against the Soviets and get us on Rocky's side. Rocky is such a non-character in this film. I will admit he does have one solid scene explaining he's a fighter to Adrian on the steps of their stairs, which is a callback to Rocky II, but otherwise his character doesn't really accomplish anything except somehow defeat Drago through sheer American hard work and willpower. I dozed off three times at the end of his stupid speech about how people can change while the Soviets are slobbering all over him. This movie is truly awful and one I have no reason to ever return to. Rocky Four receives three stars out of ten with a strong not recommend. Hey, we agree. We agree. And your um your ratings took a sharp drop off a cliff because you gave the last two movies a six. Yeah, I guess they were a bit more reluctant sixes, but they were still sixes nonetheless. Yeah, you could see mine coming though. As far as my I, my ratings took a sharp drop between two and three, but from three to four, it's not much of a difference, and I kind of hate to say it, but Rocky Three is a better movie. And if I had to choose, I'd be putting Rocky Three in my Blu-ray player before I put Rocky Four in there. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you on that one. I don't. I guess I don't really have too much reason to return to this one. So it's pretty obvious you're not going to pick this up on Blu-ray. Uh, yeah, no, no, no. Honestly, if I didn't already own the collection, I would not be picking this one up either. Well, after we didn't recommend Rocky Four, what would you recommend? Either movies, TV shows, 
books or games even to our listeners? Uh, Rambo First Blood Part 2. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like I mentioned in that review, that was the film where I saw like the stereotypical Rambo, like the Rambo that I was expecting to get when I when I ended up watching it, uh, when I, the one I didn't get when I got, when I first, when I first watched first blood, um, it's kind of the same here. I feel like this is getting closer, um, to like the stereotypical, uh, the stereotypical Rocky at this point. I'm going to recommend literally any other movie from 1985. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I hate to say it, but this is the bottom of the barrel. You know, go ahead and watch Back to the Future, Ghostbusters, The Breakfast Club, The Goonies, Brazil, Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome, or even Commando. I find those movies to be so much more enjoyable. So, 85 was a good year. Don't let Sylvester Stallone ruin it with Rocky IV. Heck, yeah, I even recommend Rambo First Blood Part Two over this. That's far more enjoyable. And, yeah, it, it um, Rambo takes on the Soviets, but... In a more realistic way, in a more interesting way. And it's far more nuanced because you come to realize that the enemy is also within. It's also the United States is also an enemy when it comes to this. So, so much, so much better. And I didn't even mm-hmm. think that movie was that good. But, uh, well, listeners, the question after the show is, is Rocky Four truly the worst in the franchise or is the worst yet to come? Oh, dear. I hope not. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's no surprise that we were going to get a Rocky five, especially because this was the highest grossing in the series so far. Oh, yeah. And it it, did crazy numbers. It did crazy numbers. And the series, even with the new Creed films, you know, even um, when you take in for inflation, um, they don't even they don't even hit these numbers, actually. Um, it's, is interesting though, because usually we're used to a three year cycle with the Rocky movies. Every three years we get a brand new Rocky film, except as we mentioned earlier in the podcast, except Rocky five, it took about five years to get this movie. And it should note, this should give you some hope, Alan, John G. Alvidson, the Academy Award, uh, nominated director for Rocky one is coming back to direct Rocky five. Hmm. I'm Stallone curious. is stepping down from the director's chair. Well, I am, I guess I am curious. Um, I'm, I'm curious to see where Albertson can go, uh, coming, I guess coming back to, I guess in the series, um, he did a very good job with the first one. So I guess I'm not as, uh, conf- I'm not as concerned about what was going to happen with the fifth one. Um, now that he, I know that he's going to be in the director's chair. So hmm? I'm, I'm, I'll go in with an open mind. Yeah, and in the meantime, until you wait for our review next week, we have reviewed John G. Alvidson's Karate Kid Trilogy. And so if you're looking for some more Alvidson action, what we thought about his directorial style with those three films, and then, of course, go ahead and listen to the entire Karate Kid series. I am getting to Cobra Kai. I am going to get to it. Don't worry. I just picked up Terminator Sarah Chronicles. I picked up the Blu-ray TV set because I waited too long watching it on IMDb TV. They took it off. I can't watch it for free anymore. I had to drop 25 bucks on the Blu-ray set. So, uh, okay, don't worry. Terminator Sarah Connor Chronicles review is coming. I'm slowly but surely making my way through Treadstone. That review is coming and then Cobra Kai will come eventually. So 
please don't let there be any more TV series based on uh, based on these. I'm not going to watch cartoons. Um, yeah, no cartoons. If they're cartoons, are out of the question. That's out of the question. I I watched a bit of the Men in Black cartoon when we did those movies. Um, yeah, it was okay. Um, it was kind of ninety, so that was fine. But I wasn't gonna. I was not gonna watch the whole series. That's fair. I was gonna do it. So. What a doozy. Yeah. Honestly, I really wasn't as expecting. I wasn't expecting to really kind of hate this movie <laughs> as much as I do. No, yeah. I was a bit surprised. I mean, from what little I did know about it, I knew that uh, I had heard at least that audiences were pretty, you know, pretty happy with this one. Um, and then, of course, when I did my research to find for it, I found out that that's very much the case. Um, so, yeah, I was surprised to see about how much both you and I were not very big fans of it. Even on IMDb, for an average rating, it nearly yeah. has a straight seven. Uh, what? Yeah, I mean, this is, I don't know. I don't know what people see. Anyways, we can say that this is the most divisive of all the Rocky films. Uh, yeah. It sure seems like that because like we mentioned at the very beginning, you know, those audience scores are really high, but those critic yeah. scores are really low. Yeah, there's really no in between. You either love it or hate it. Clearly we're in the hated camps, but clearly there's a large contingency of people that love this movie. It's just when they think, as Alan said, when he thinks of Rambo, it's Rambo 2. When people think of Rocky, it's Rocky 4. Uh, but no thanks, I'm not going to return to it. When I think of Rocky, I'm going to think of Rocky 1 or 2. Yep. All right, well, Corbin, thanks for joining me. Yeah, sure thing. All right, listeners, make sure you stay tuned because Corbin and I next week will be finishing off at least this like Rocky iteration um, with Rocky Five. So we'll see you then, listeners. Hey listeners, it's Corbin. Don't forget to check out the exciting links in the description below that will connect you with more great movie reviews for your listening pleasure and our YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter page. And of course, our official website where you can read great articles and sign up for our free weekly newsletter. Also, if you want exclusive bonus content such as extra movie reviews, movie commentaries, and our thoughts on the latest movie news and trailers, plus more, then check out our Patreon page. It's a great way to help keep this show free, and it gives you great content that's yours to keep. All of that and more is found in the description below. Don't forget to subscribe whether you're on YouTube, Apple, Google, or Stitcher, or your favorite podcast service. And while you're at it, please leave us a five-star review so other movie lovers can more easily find our podcast. We love talking about movies, and we love talking about them with you. So don't forget to share with your friends and family, and we'll see you next week, listeners. The Silver Screen Guide podcast is edited and produced by Alan and Corbin. Intro and outro music is created by Thomas Rankin. The thoughts and opinions herein expressed are those of the individual and do not necessarily represent those held by Silver Screen Guide. Silver Screen Guide is not affiliated with any company or individual involved with the creation of this movie or TV show. No portion of the podcast may be used without express written permission from Silver Screen Guide.